Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, this morning we've come to a portion of Scripture that really is hard to swallow in our culture. Okay, if you were to say, Pastor Ben, I'm 50 years old, Pastor Ben, I'm 60 years old, I would look at you and say, you know what, life was so much easier back in your day. If you would say, I'm 70 years old, I'm 80 years old, whatever it might be, I would say, man, things were easier. The, the culture in our day, the kids growing up in our day, this is a message that it's hard to swallow. Because the entertainment industry and a lot of other things have tried to make it socially acceptable, the things that Paul's going to talk about. And while we're, they're trying to tell you, while we're trying to say no to some things, we're nodding our head yes. And that's what the industry does. It's trying to get us to go, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I tolerate that. But this is a portion, guys, that is hard to swallow. You say, well, well what is it, Ben? Well, remember, we've been talking about sexual immorality in the church. Sexual immorality in the church. And two weeks ago, if you recall, Paul addressed a sexual, immoral man who was having sex with his stepmom. Now, first of all, you go, ooh, but that's what was going on. And you go, well, Ben, I don't see what the problem was. The problem was is that the church, the leadership was like going, man, you're under grace. Amen. Good job. You know, you're saved. But he was, he was literally, Paul says, no, 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 because he uses the word, guys, he, he uses the word sexual immorality, and in the Greek, it's actually the word pornea, where we get our English word pornography, okay? So if you say, hey, man, you're addicted to porn, that's exactly where it comes from. It's sexual immorality. But in Paul's specific case, he's saying, man, listen, I'm gonna, listen this is sexual immorality. In his specific case, it refers to a number of, listen, illicit sexual behaviors. That's what it was. But specifically, it refers to an instance in the church that would jeopardize the health of the Corinthian church. You see, it wasn't, guys, let's all sing Kumbaya and we're under grace. He goes, no, this could damage the church. This could cause a lot of people to stumble. This could be, and he's really, really adamant about it. And see, last week, he took a break, if you will, but contextually, he's still talking about the same thing. But he said, listen, remember last week, he said, man, we shouldn't be suing each other for fraud. We shouldn't be suing our brother for, for fraudulent gain. He said, you guys are different. You're, you should be forgiving and loving and graceful and, 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 and believing this is who you are. But today, Paul goes back and he says, man, I need to teach you guys about the moral looseness going on within the church. I need to teach you that. Now, here's what we keep in mind. Listen, Paul, he doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. You know what I'm talking about? He doesn't have time to beat around the bush, okay? Why? Because lives are at stake. Souls are at stake, Okay, so Paul, Paul doesn't go, hey, maybe if you guys would think about it, maybe you could get together and talk a little bit. Maybe this will, he goes, no, we got to talk about this. This is serious stuff. This is, this is corrupting the church. Okay, and so he wants to talk about this and he knows lives are at stake and the church is in trouble. 
And you go, well, Ben, 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 what's going on in the church? Well, guys, for the sake of our study, let me remind you what was going on in Corinth, okay? Let me give you some context. See, the city of Corinth was crazy. You understand that this was a wealthy, commercial, port city. You go, what does that mean? People from all over the world would travel to Corinth. It was the place to go. If you wanted to have fun, if you wanted to indulge, if you wanted to live the vida loca, that's where you would go. Okay? That's crazy. This is what I'm talking about, guys. You say, well, like, well, who was there? Like, why would you do this? Well, there was people, there was all different ideas, different ideas, different ideals, thoughts, actions. This is what's going on. Hey, where would you like to go for spring break? Corinth, of course. Party down. That's what they would do. This was the place. It also, guys, think about this. It also boasted of an outdoor amphitheater, right? And basically it was this theater that accompanied 20,000 people. So if, if the latest rock band was coming through, it would go to Corinth. Oh, we got to go. That's where we're going to play. That's when we make it big, man, because we're playing at Corinth. Ah, right? 20,000 people. This is, well, where's the, where's, where are we going to go? Where are we going? We're going to Corinth, man. Corinth is the place that's rock, man. I heard there's crazy things to do there. Nuts. That's what was happening at Corinth. The population at Corinth was just a mix of everything. You had Greeks and you had Romans. Guys, you had Jewish people. You had Oriental people. And they loved to partay. You know what I'm talking about? But something even more interesting. In the city of Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. They had this huge temple of Aphrodite. You go, well, what was that all about? Well, I know it boasted of a thousand prostitutes that worked at the temple. You see, here's what was going on. Think about this. In the name of religion, in the name of worship, men and women would go to the temple and have a prostitute. Pay for pay for that. In the name of religion, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. So baby, hey baby, how you doing? Sweetie, I'll, I'll be back. I'm going to the temple. What temple are you going to? You going to church? Oh no, I'm going to go to Aphrodite. I got to get my worship on. Say what? You see how corrupt it is, right? And then at that point in my house, you have to duck from the frying pan. You know, it's like, psh, watch out. Because that's, that's not happening at my house. But that's what's going on here. I mean, it's, it's, it's Aphrodite. Guys, when it came to sexual morality... In Corinth, man, it was rampant. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was, it was like, man, it was like the Las Vegas, the New York, the Chicago. Think about it. I mean, it was these places where you walk down the street, and it was just normal. It was just normal. This is what it was all about. You went into your hotel room, and all it was was, I mean, just think about it, sexual things and, and, and pleasurable things and drugs and alcohol and all of this going on in Corinth. The city was coined this. Corinth was noted for everything sinful. Hey, man, where, where, where are you going? I'm going to Corinth. What? Oh, you lucky dog, man. Right on. Have a blast. Because you knew what he was doing. He wasn't, going to, he wasn't going to Corinth, right, to go study at the library. He was going to have 
anything that he wanted to have, any indulgence. You guys tracking? I'm trying to paint this picture so you understand why Paul is so adamant, okay? You'd walk out of your hotel room and there'd be somebody selling drugs. Hey, you want to get high? Hey, you want to get stoned? Hey, you want to, you know what? You'd go down. I mean, there's, there's bars everywhere, man, just, just wet, just everything. Prostitutes, you got the temple. That's what's going on in Corinth. Well, what do you do? Paul says, man, we need to, we need to plant a church. We plan sure. So he comes in and he spares the gospel. People get saved, right? That would be a good place for an amen. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When people get saved, they still come in with their baggage, okay? The problem is, is that we want people to get saved and they go, well, I don't know what to do with this. What's that? Well, it's all my baggage. It's all my stuff. These are all my issues. What do I do? And it takes time for Jesus to work through those issues. So people are getting saved at Corinth, but they're coming in with their baggage. They're coming in with their backpack. They're coming in with their fanny pack, for those of you at a very older age. And, you know, and, and so there you go. And they're coming in with all of this stuff. There's only one problem with the church. It's starting to lose their loving feelings. You see, it was a church that was vibrant. Jesus, the message of the cross. And now they're starting to act in, in, and they're starting to walk in carnality. And they felt like they needed to do more. And the problem was, is that they were bringing their bad habits. They were bringing the, the, their baggage into the church. That's what they were doing. And they're saying, hey. Hey, it's no problem, bro. Listen, hey, no, listen, his, this is my baggage, bro, but we're saved, bro, right? We're, saved, we're under freedom, so I can bring this in. And, and Kevin looks at me and goes, really? Because I was, I, I was struggling. I, I left that bag out at home, but if you think it's okay, and so I'm causing my brother to stumble and my sister to stumble. I say, hey, Kevin, you know, I know we're Christians now, but, but you know what? I mean, we still need to go worship at, at, at the temple, right? And Kevin's like, ah, oh, do we do that anymore? Yeah, bro, we're under grace. And so we would, you, you, you see, that's what's going on in the church. That's what's going on in the church. They're bringing their baggage in. And you can say that this church was a mess. It was a mess. But Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he's given an anointed letter, and he's going to address the issues that they're facing. Okay? So what does Paul do? Guys, if you're taking note, remember, with each section, he describes the problem. He defines the problem. Here's the problem, okay? He doesn't kind of beat around the bush. He doesn't say maybe. He said, this is the problem. But then he responds, guys, in a way that we don't understand. You go, why? He responds with the gospel. So here's the problem. Now I need to give you the gospel. Why is that important? Because you don't want Paul to respond with his opinion. Well, let me tell you what I did in my life, or let me tell you what I've seen, or I've read this book, and he says, listen, no, you've got a problem. I want to share the gospel. Why? Why is that important? Guys, because I believe the disciples, I believe Paul understood a level of the gospel in a way that we don't. You, You beat me up. Listen, you beat me up for telling you about Jesus. I'm not coming back to your house. I love you. I'm telling you about you. Okay, fine. You don't want Jesus? I'll go tell somebody else. Paul got up and went back in the city that left him for dead to tell him about Jesus. He understood a level of the gospel that we don't. And so Paul says, no, you don't understand. You want the answer? It's in the message of the cross. Look for it. Dig deep. That's where it is. And so he comes back and he gives them, lovingly shows them, here's the good news about Jesus. Here's the good news. 
So as we come, guys, as we come to verses 9 to 20, Paul does something very interesting, guys. We discover that Paul is going to paint a pretty dark picture of sin. Pretty dark picture, okay? He's, he, he, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's dark, but I love that he paints the dark picture and then he reminds them of the gospel that actually saved them, okay? Dark picture, you go, well, Ben, give me an illustration. Okay, well, let's just say, let's just say I came into all kinds of money. I'm like, wow, my bank account, I have all kinds of money. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy my wife a diamond ring, okay? She deserves it. I'm going to get her a two-carat, no, she deserves three-carat diamond ring. Man, that's a big rock, isn't it? She deserves that. Now, my wife would be like, no, not really, but, I, but we're going. So grab her by the hand. Come on, baby. We're going to go get your diamond ring because we're moving on up, right? And so we go into the jewelry store, and what's the first thing the jeweler is going to do? He's going to not show me the diamond, not going to show me the ring. He's going to pour out a black velvet rug or something because he knows that the diamond is going to shine brighter than it would on a normal background. And that's what Paul does. Paul says, listen, in order for you to understand the gospel, the, the beauty of a three-carat diamond gospel, Jesus, I have to show you. I have to show you how black things are. You see, for, for the gospel, good news, to be really good news, it really has to invade very dark spaces, doesn't it? It has to get in where it's like, oh, no, that, 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 that hasn't seen the light of day in years, man. It has to get in there, and it has to penetrate that heart. And so that's what Paul's going to do. Paul's going to give us, guys, he's going to give us the black velvet of sin before he shows us the diamond, before he shows us the diamond. Now, listen to this. I found this, and I thought, well, I can't say it any better, so I'm going to quote Warren Wiersbe. Listen to what he says about the whole context, and then we'll jump in. He says, quote, while we can not excuse the Corinthians for their terrible sins, we can certainly understand why they fell into them. No city presented more opportunities for immorality, vice, than did Corinth. The very religion of the city, the worship of Aphrodite, was nothing but prostitution in the name of religion. These believers had been rescued from lives of horrible sin, but were tempted to go back. Paul knew that some of the believers were looking for excuses to sin, so he clearly refuted every argument that they might bring up, unquote. Did you hear what Warren Wiersbe just said? He said, like our day and age, there were Christians who were wanting an excuse to indulge in sin. That's what I want to do. I want to justify what I'm doing. And he says, no, Paul says, no, no, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. With that as our intro, guys, let me paint the picture of the black velvet of sin that Paul points out in verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That is heavy. 
Paul, I thought you were nice. I thought we were like, oh, can we all get along? Can we just hold hands and sway? Paul, come on. He says, no, guys, listen to me. Listen, do you not know that the unrighteous will not be in heaven? That's what he's talking about. He says, don't be deceived, church. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetousness, nor drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You're going, Ben, 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 what's going on? Well, we, we definitely need to do some work here. We definitely need to do some work. Why? Because he just, list, he just listed things that I'm just like, whoa, whoa. This surely is the black canvas of sin. These people, listen to me, these people, they're not going to go to heaven. Here's a sobering thought. There are people in the world who will not open up their heart and invite Jesus inside. They will not believe, and therefore they are determined to spend eternity away from him. He says, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. Oh, who are they? Well, the first thing he says, guys, if you're taking note, he uses the word unrighteous. The unrighteous won't go to heaven. The unrighteous. Now, Here's what you need to understand right off the bat. He's not talking about you. Okay? But you go, well, Ben, sometimes I really feel unrighteous. I don't feel like I'm righteous. I, I stumble. I fall. I have a bad attitude. I use my tongue to say bad stuff. And No, he's not. That, that's not the word he uses. He's not using it. He doesn't mean that, that, that you and I who stumble from time to time, he says it's, he's not talking about that. He knows that we're sinners. Can I get an amen? He knows that we're going to stumble. He says, that's not the word I'm using. He says, the word I'm actually using in unrighteous is like according to Romans 1.18 or according to Romans 16, he says, these are people who practice. Everybody say practice. These are people who practice unrighteousness. They have no problem, no problem doing what is sinful, doing what is wrong, and actually doing what is evil. That's what he means. He says these are people. They're not, it's not the, listen, they're not you. Why? Because we're covered in the righteousness of Jesus. When Jesus looks at you, he sees, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, and that's the righteousness that you have. You realize that you walk in the righteousness that Paul walked in because of Jesus. So what's he saying? What is Paul trying to get to us? What does he, what does he want, what does he want to talk about, right? Well, what's he doing? He's addressing those in the church who claim Christianity but live unrighteously. You know what we call them today? Christian atheists. They claim Christianity, but they live like there is no God. You go, Ben, that's an oxymoron. I know. Paul says, we got to address this. You go, Ben, this is 2019. Paul's talking about this way back in, in, the, in, in Corinth. I mean, what's, what gives, dude? It's the same thing. You see, the Bible is very relevant, and there are a lot of people who say, I am a Christian, but they live like there is no God. 
Paul says, we got to talk. We got to talk. Lives are at stake here, man. We got to talk. And I was thinking about what Paul is addressing, and this really tripped me out. And you go, why, Ben? Because it's like the same problem we have in the, our culture and the same problem that we have in our church, in our churches. Paul said, hey, listen. Guys, don't you know? The unrighteous are not going to heaven. And then he looks at him and he says, guys, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, right? Because here's the thing, guys. The word deceived means to wander off the path. Okay, so you had a group of people came in with their baggage and they're, and they're wandering off the path. They're thinking, well, listen, I think it's morally acceptable. I guess I can do this. And they're wandering off the path. And Paul's saying, don't wander off the path. Don't be deceived. And I think those are just, those are just some words that come from my heart because I don't want to be deceived. I want to know all that God has for me, and I want to walk in that. I don't want to be deceived. And Paul says, don't be deceived. Why? Why? What, what, what is he saying? He says, man, listen, don't be deceived. Don't be mistaken. There's a group of people that are doing things, man, that are just, aren't going to go to heaven. Well, like who, Paul? Well, what's the first thing he lists, guys? The first thing he lists is fornicators. Everybody see that? Fornicators. You go, what's fornicators? In the general term, it's for several kinds of sexual vices, several kinds of illicit sex. That's what it means, okay? And here, it's actually the head of shameful, weird sexual stuff. He says, you know those? Now, here's the thing. We, we take fornication, and, and I've had people even go, oh, yeah, I'm living with this girl. I'm just, you know, and, and, and we're fornicating. It's like, no, this, you understand the word he's using. The word he's using is that this is weird. This is, this is, this is illicit. This is, I can't, I, I don't have time to give you all of them, but I can tell you this. You know, one of the things that our world is moving to, whether you know it or not, and you talk about fornication, sex with robots. You're like, no. Yeah, that's one of the weirdest things. There's a company out there. Please don't Google it or anything like that. But there's, there's a company out there, guys. They make life-size people, robots, dolls, okay, that talk and interact that you can have sex with. No feelings, no nothing, boom. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, man, where, where, where's the, where, what culture are you doing? Now, the one thing, and I said this last service, the one thing we need to get in our mind is that God created sex in the confines of marriage. Okay, God made, it's a wonderful thing. Churches don't like to talk about sex. Don't talk about sex with the kiddos in the room. God made it, but he made it with rules. He made it with a way that's so beautiful. And what we've done is we've been like Corinth, and we said, oh, well, listen. I mean, guys, there's all kinds of, you guys know this. There's all kinds of weird stuff out there. And like I said, our kids are growing up in a world that you and I were just like, ah! And so Paul says, but fornicators... Fornicators, they're not, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is illicit, weirdo, weirdo stuff. 
What else? He says, oh, and by the way, idolaters. Idolaters. You go, what does that mean? I mean, is that like, you know, in the context, it's referring to the patrons of the temple of Aphrodite. So you see, you had people out there that were going to the temple and having sex with prostitutes, but now they're, bring, now they're saved and they're going, well, is that okay? Is that okay? And Paul says, no, idolaters. See, that's an, you're worshiping an idol. You're different. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, as a pastor, I could say, well, let's talk about idolatry. But in the context, I need to keep you in context because he's talking about the temple of Aphrodite. We all have idols in our heart. Amen? But he's talking about that. He's saying, oh, by the way, adulterers. Adulterers. He goes, they're not going to go to heaven. Well, who, who is this, Ben? These are, these are, this has special reference to persons not faithful to their marriage vows. Now, remember who he's talking to, okay? Because here's the thing. The Lord Jesus told every man in here, y'all are adulterers. Because if you've looked at a woman with lust, it's the same as committing adultery. He's saying those who go, you know what? I've been married for 31 years. Eh. I'm not going to be faithful to the vows that I made. I'm going to go and be with this girl, and I'm going to be with that girl, and... I'm going to be a player, whatever it might be. That's what he's talking about, guys. He's talking about adulterers. You know who else is not going to be in heaven as Paul paints this picture? Look at this one. He says, homosexuals. And everyone goes, oh, in our culture? Because here's the thing. He says homosexuals, and he says sodomites. Same word, two different meanings. When he says homosexuals, you've got to remember, your mind has to go back to the city of Corinth and what was going on, and then fornication, which they were willing, men and women were willing to try whatever it was. You know, we're having sex with robots, but they're going, hey, listen, I don't want to do, I don't want to do the natural thing. I want to do the unnatural thing. I want to go here. They're trying every illicit sexual thing they can. And so Paul says, they're not going to, listen, and here's, here's the definition. You ready? It says, those who allow themselves to be used unnaturally. Unnaturally. But then he goes on and he says, and what about the sodomites? Well, these are the ones that are given to active homosexual lifestyles. Active. Those that are practicing such things. Those are the ones that are going, I mean, think about it. If they're coming in the church, they're going, you know what? Listen, me and God, we have a special relationship. And, and Paul's like going, no, you, you need to understand. You need to understand. This is, this is all wrapped in the guise of, of sexual immorality. And he's looking at the church. Remember, he's painting a picture and he's saying, listen, this is what's out there. You understand that? This is, what's, this is, what's, this is what Corinth is about. This is what is coming in the church. But I want to point out to you that, that, listen, he doesn't start off with homosexuals or sodomites. He starts off with fornicators. And, and he's going to actually, he's, listen, he says, and what about thieves? You know what? Thieves are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Thieves, what does that mean? Those who steal your stuff. These are people who break into your house, steal your TV, steal your jewelry, take your money. These thieves are not going to heaven. You understand that. Those who live a lifestyle of stealing other people's stuff, that's a thief. 
We understand that because every one of us in this room has probably taken something that wasn't ours at one time or another. Yeah, but that doesn't make me a thief. What does it make you? I don't like this church. Right? I mean, listen, I'm a kid and you put candy bar in front of me. You're just asking for me to take it. I'm like six years old going, wow, Hershey's. It's not my fault. It's 7-Eleven's fault. What about covets, covetousness, right? You go, what's that? Guys, think about this. This is, I mean, this is the inordinate desire or the love of money, of of like a ruling passion to have something that somebody else has. Man. Feathers is my neighbor. She drives up with a brand new car. Instead of me being happy for my neighbor, I covet what she has. I look at my wife and say, I want one of those. Give me one. <laughs> oh, sister, I'm happy for you. Give me one. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. It's just like, I mean, everything, somebody, I've got to have. You, you, better, you better get two jobs. I want what I want. That's what he's talking about. That, that in, that like, I mean, guys, think about it. It's this inordinate desire. And this, this vice here, he says, it's raided with idolatry and sodomy and extortion and being essentially a denial of God in human life. I don't care what you have to do. Yeah, but sweetie, if I, if I get a job, I'll miss church. I don't care if you miss church at all. You need to give me that. Whatever. Whatever. Wow. Those people? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He says, but, but, but listen to this one. He also says drunkards. What? Ready? Here's the definition. Repeated. Everybody say repeated. Repeated, repeated violations of Christian sobriety. You see, it's not going, man, it was a hot day and I, and I had a beer. Woo! Or, or went out to a great meal with, and I had a glass of water. He's not talking about that. He's talking about you fixing to get drunk every night. He says, boom, you're, drink, you're drinking. You know what? You're not living for the weekend anymore. You're just living to dr- get drunk. And that's what he's talking about, guys. He's saying drunkards. But he, you go, well, Ben, 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 so, so, so you're telling me it's okay to have a beer? I'll tell you this. The Bible has no prohibition about having a beer, but I'll tell you what. One beer can lead to being a drunkard. So be careful. Be careful. The Bible has a lot to say about not causing a brother to stumble. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. But I know drunkards here is, remember, repeated violations. Repeated. How about this one? This one, right? He says, you know who's not going to heaven? Revilers. You're like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not a re- What's a reviler? It's one who engages in slandering others. Ooh, ouch. Slandering. It's like looking and saying, you know what? Let me tell you about so-and-so. And then you just, you go on to slander them. 
And you're like, man. This little thing in our mouth called the tongue, it can do a lot of damage, can it? But, but, but brother, we were praying. <laughs> really, we were, we, were, we were praying. And we were praying for so-and-so because she's just, she, I think she's having an affair, and I think she's going out on her husband, and I think I've seen a car at her house. Oh, we need to pray. I've seen a car at her house at 2 a.m. What are you doing up at 2 a.m.? Oh, I don't know. Just pray, just pray. What are we doing, church? That's what he's saying. He's saying, you're slandering people. You know? And then he uses the word extortioners. Extortioners, right? You go, what is that? That's like thieves, but it's white-collar crimes. You know, he's not stealing your TV. He's embezzling from his job. Okay, he's taking hundreds of thousands of dollars and nobody knows. This is, this is a, he says, these guys, these guys, they're not, they're not going the, to ha- enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's what happened to your face. I'm painting this picture and all of you are going, because you remember who you were. You remember some of the stuff that you did and, and it's convicting. And remember, Paul is said, here, here's the key word, guys. Here's the key word. You ready? You've got to write this down. It was those who practice such things. You know what you have to do to practice? You have to do it every day to practice. That's what it means. You do something every day, you practice. Okay? I know that there are times that we've stumbled. I know there are times that we've fallen. I know there's times that we've bruised our knee. I know there are times when, we, when we've just made bad choices. We're not practicing those things. We just made bad choices. These are people who practice. But I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God in us has convicted us because we're going, oh. So Paul goes, okay, that's the blackness. You ready? And then he says, but I've got some good news. You go, what's the good news? Jeez. Paul says, and such were some of you. Don't you just love it? Because he could have said, and such are some of you. But he's saying, no, this is who you were. This is who you were. Something's changed about you, though. Something's different. You go, what's different? Paul says, see, you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Oh, oh, yeah, there's fornicators, there's idulterers, there's sodomites, there's thieves, there's, there's all this stuff. He goes, and some of you were that, but you were, you not are. Something's changed. Something's changed. He says, I'm washed. I'm washed. You go, what are you washed? The washing implies a full understanding of the message of the cross. The gospel in its truest forms with the benefits of being saved. That's You're washed. I'm washed clean. I'm washed. The devil comes up to you and says, hey, bro, bro, remember when you used to do that? You go, man, I'm washed. I'm washed. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, let me bring up your past. I don't have any past. He says, it's washed. It's washed. And not only were you washed, but you're sanctified. You sanctified. You go, what does that mean, Ben? Sanctified. Here's the thing. It was to, to be setting apart from the world to the adoption of the church. You came from the world, but now you're part of the church. You, you, you're sanctified. 
For us, it means being like Jesus more every single day. You're being more like Jesus. Okay? So what happens in church? Here's what happens in church. You come in here, you get the word of God, and you become more like Jesus to live out in the world. That's sanctified. And not only that, he says you're justified. You got that? You were justified. You go, what does that mean? From condemnation through righteousness of God in Christ by faith. Here's what I love. Here's what I love, okay? You got to keep these two principles in mind, okay? So you, you need to keep these in two. Number one principle. You must be washed before you can be sanctified or justified. You understand that? Let me paint the picture. You accept Jesus first, and you allow him to do that work. You are washed. You are sanctified, justified, glorified. This is, you're saved. You're saved. This is washed. Boom. Sins are gone. Then, at that point, you are sanctified. You become and you start walking like Jesus more every single day. Progressively, you're walking like Jesus. And then justified is just as you have never sinned before. That's what it means. Now, what happens is that people who don't really accept Jesus into their heart, they'll try to be sanctified and try to be justified in their own strength. And they haven't been really washed. So what happens is that they can do Christianity for a couple of months, maybe. But then they go back into their old ways. And so it's so important to realize that salvation has to come first. You don't do good works in hoping God will save you. You get saved, and then you do good works as a result. Don't you just love that? Here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. If you're in here today and you're completely saved, you go, Ben, I am saved, sanctified, blood-bought, hallelujah. Let me ask you a question. How did you wash yourself? Well, I didn't. How were you sanctified? Well, I, I didn't. How are you justified? Well, I didn't. I didn't do anything. Exactly. God did it all for you. Why do you say that, Ben? Here's why. Because I know how the devil works. The devil works so hard that he wants to twist that in your life and he wants to bring unrest if you're saved or not. And here's the thing. You did nothing to earn your salvation, so you should rest in the fact that God's already got it taken care of. Here's what we do. Here's what we do, guys. I don't know if I'm saved because my past, I haven't done very good stuff, and so I don't know if God's going to judge that. God goes, listen, I judged you based on the cross, and my son Jesus, that's why you're saved. We can rest in that, guys. You can rest in who God is because of God, not because of you. Listen, if I had to stand in my own righteousness, fail. But you're the pastor. I know. You understand. In our own, listen, in the morning when I rise, right? Or when I come to die, I just need Jesus because there's nothing in this world. I don't care how many sermons I preach. Lord, Lord, you got to save me because I was evangelist and, and I brought several hundred to the kingdom, several thousand to the kingdom. So I've been. You didn't do that. I did that. Oh. It has to be Jesus. That's number one, you guys. And then number two principle. Here it is. You ready? And such were. Such work, that's not you anymore. Listen, church, always, here's what I want to point out. Always remember where you came from. 
And, so, and some, of these, some of these things, that was you. And you're going, oh, I don't tell nobody that. Man. If somebody knew my past, they'd kick me out of this church. No, Paul says that were some of you. And even if you didn't do them physically, you thought about them. Here's the point. The point is, as believers, okay, here's what I want you to know. That we're all sinners saved by grace. And we should never think ourselves better than anybody else. Now, listen, we're all, we're all on different journeys, okay? We're all, we're, all, we're all running at different paces. I mean, I, mean, I mean, Mark may be running a little bit ahead of me, and I'm, I'm running my race. Mark's running his race. What God says is keep your eye on your lane, but don't worry about Mark. Now, if Mark sees me stumbling, he should turn around and say, come on, brother, let me help you. That's how we do life. Okay, but the moment we start thinking we're better for the amount of years that we've been walking with Jesus, that's when we fail. Because some, because and such were some of you. We need to remember where I, I, I don't live in my, I know where I came from. And I know that Jesus saved me. I don't live there, but it helps me to live here. Because I know we're in the same boat. We're in the same family. You know, Ben, you're always harping on, on you're always harping on, on, on the church not to judge. Exactly, guys. God didn't call us to judge people like that. See, Paul says, guys, you were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified. Listen, the Christian according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, is a new creation. Listen, when you gave your life to Jesus, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. Well, how do, how, how do I know that, Pastor? How, here, here's why. Listen, we don't inherit the kingdom of God by refraining from sin, but we prove that we're going to heaven by the godly lives we live. You see the difference? I'm going to heaven because I'm walking like this and I don't want to sin. Ooh, watch out, eggshells. God, please don't strike me dead. Who wants to follow God that way? But when you live a godly life, just going, listen, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. Met a fellow yesterday by the name of Derek at, the, at, the, at Grace Campus. Derek's 30 years old. And I told Derek, basically, you know, his job, biblically, was just to love Jesus. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man, you're so inspired. And I said, but here's the problem, Derek. I said, the problem is that love has been distorted in your life. So when I tell you to love Jesus, you really don't know how to love Jesus. You're right again, yeah. Because isn't that what happens? Love in our lives have been distorted. Hollywood is distorted. Love has to be a feeling. Love has to be, but, but love is a choice. And when you choose to love Jesus... When you choose to love Jesus, that's all God requires of you. Because you're going to base your choices in life from that love of Jesus, not from a bunch of rules and regulations that somebody gives you. I'm going to give you rules. I'm going to give you some Hey, listen, you be a Christian. You got to do this. You got to do this, man. No, you got to love Jesus. He'll work out your life. He'll work it out. He'll tell you where you need to be. And what might be a sin for you is not a, sin, is, is not a struggle for me. 
Stay in your own lane. Run your own race. This is the gospel, guys. And when we fully understand what Jesus did on the cross for us, we can walk in that newness of life. Well, at this point in our study, guys, some of the Christians might raise their hand and say, Pastor Ben, I have a question. Um, I thought we were free in Jesus. Uh, aren't we free from the law? I mean, you're, you're saying that these persons and these persons and these persons and these persons, I mean, where is the grace of, to, to live life? Well, it's almost like the Corinthian church gives him a statement in verse 12 because he says this, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Remember the context, okay? So someone's raising their hand and say, Paul, hey, am, not, am I not allowed to do anything? And Paul says, man, you're, everything is good for you, but I got to tell you this, um, not everything is good for you. you. You're lawful, but not everything is good. I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, but I'm not going to let anything make me its slave. For us to go, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I have freedom. I can do anything I want to do. Paul says, man, listen, you are a Christian. You are free, but not everything is profitable for you. How do you know? Let's just talk about practically. How many of you like food in here? How many of you like food, man? Right? Tacos and enchiladas and tortillas and, and yeah, there you go, burritos. And here's the thing, right? We all like food, but some food is not good for us. You might love donuts. I love donuts. Donuts! I have an affair with donuts, right? You can't live, a, you can't live on a steady diet of donuts, right? Two days, if that's all you eat is donuts, you're going to get sick. If it works practically, why would it not work spiritually? Okay? Put some veggies in your meal. Throw some veggies in there. Please don't do the Monte Cristo, which is the donut with a sandwich. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole nother. I don't know how you found it, made a donut into a sandwich. But do you have a Monte Cristo at your place? You know, it's the ham and the cheese and the donut. and What's that? We love our people. Amen. Paul says, all things, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Can I get an amen? amen. You go, well, Ben, if I'm free, what, what do I need to consider? Here's this. Paul insists that Christian freedom is limited by two considerations. You ready? Jot these down. Number one, is the practice helpful to my walk? Is the practice helpful to my walk? Is what you're about to do Helpful to your walk. You're looking at me like you want an illustration. Are we free to see movies? We have Christian liberty, right? We're free to see movies. Listen, if you have a problem with pornography and addiction, please don't go see an R-rated movie. You understand that, right? With nudity, because what happens? It's a trigger. Okay? And so what Paul says here is he says, number one, here's a practice. If me going to this movie to watch an R-rated movie, is that going to be helpful to my walk? Absolutely not. And then, and then just, again, think about this. Number two, okay, here's the second one. Here's my, here's my second consideration. Will this practice enslave me? Will this practice enslave me? 
If I do something, is it going to keep me enslaved? Am I going to be a slave to it? All things lawful? Absolutely. But not all things are helpful. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a slave to any of it. Listen to this. Ready? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. It's, that's, what's, that's what sin does. It enslaves you. Look at verse 13. Paul writes, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And you go, Ben, what did Paul just say this? Listen, here's what the church was trying to say. Like food and the belly go together right? I eat food, it goes to the belly. Here's what they're trying to say. You ready? So does our body with sexual indulgence. My body, Lord, my body was made for sex. That's what they're saying. My body, this is, this is, this is what I do. This is who I am. It's made for sexual indulgence. Why can't I partake? Because like the stomach and the food go hand in hand. This is how, this is how I should go. That's what Paul, that's what they're saying. And Paul says, no, 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 nay, 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 nay. He says, your body, it actually belongs to the Lord to glorify God with it. That's what your body's for. And so he illustrates this with the following verses. As he says, consider Jesus. How so? Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Uh, Yeah, we're, we're part of the body of Christ. Amen. He says, then shall I take the members of Christ? And make them members of a harlot? Of course not. He says, certainly not. Or, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Wow. What is he saying? Listen to what he said. He said, listen, guys, when you gave your life to Jesus, you became part of his body. He came in to live with you. When you go and you want to indulge in, with a prostitute or a harlot, he says, you're taking Jesus with you, and you're becoming one with her. He says, would you do that? You go, of course not, Lord. It makes us really, it really makes just to have a heart check to think, um, what you do with your body We need to be careful. What you do with your body and where you take your body, remember, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Why? He says, because, listen, the two will become, what, one flesh. There's something in the the word, guys, that says when two people have sex, it's the mingling of souls. Something happens. Okay? Something happens. Sexual intercourse creates a unique bond between two people. And that's why there are times when heartbreak is so hard. You go, Ben, what should we do? Paul tells us. You ready? Verse 18. He says, flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. You know what that word flee means? 
Get out of there. Flee. Run as fast as you can. Right? Flee. If you have a problem with lust, flee. Make a covenant with your eyes. Be aware of that. If you have a problem with pornography, put filters on your computer. Give your wife the passcode. But, but talk about it. Wives, you need to be understanding and work with him. If he's willing to come in humility and tell you, oh, yeah, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Okay, well, let's do this. Let's do this. Why? He says, because every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And that's probably why throughout the years we've developed you know, sexually transmitted diseases. I mean, think about the temple prostitutes, right? That's all they did over and over and over. And so, I mean, you had sexually transmitted diseases. You had, you had all of this stuff, and that really attacks the body. I mean, it could, I mean, I don't have time. We're running out of time, guys. But, I, I mean, we could go so much deeper than that. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, stay away from that. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Don't you love the way his usage for temple? He says, this is, the, this is not a good temple. It's temple of sexual morality. Your body, that's a temple. And what's it from? It's, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit whom, God, whom you have from God and who you are not your own. Why? For you were bought with a price. Listen, salvation is free, but it costs Jesus everything. And he redeemed you. He bought your body at a price. And what you should do with your body, this is glorify God in your spirit. Glorify God. Guys, we're going to close with this, but I, 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 need, I need you to listen, okay? Because I need to address the single folks in here. And then I need to address the married folks. When it's single folks, here's what the world's going to do. The world is going to tell you it's okay to have sex. You've got to experiment. You've got to do this. Listen, Paul says, no, no, no. No, no, no. You wait for the right time. In the, in the book of, of um, the Song of Songs, Solomon writes, don't awaken love until it's time. Okay? So if you're here, be patient. Be patient. Let me just say this to everybody. Sex is a beautiful and wonderful thing when it's done God's way. Okay? When it's done God's way, it is the most amazing experience you will ever have. God created it. You see, our problem is, is that whatever God created it, man distorted it, the devil distorted it, he made it yucky and gross and evil. And all your life you've been taught, don't have sex, it's disgusting, don't have sex, it's gross. And then what happens is that then you get married and you're like, oh, it's disgusting, it's gross, that's what I've been told all my life, and it's not. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, God created it. And he says, understand that. In the confounds of marriage, it's, it's beautiful. Why? Because if you go out 
like the Corinthian church and you just have sex casually, man, you're mingling your soul with somebody else. And that's where heartbreak comes in. But Ben, that's not the world we live in. I know. The world, is, the world we live in says, try it, have fun, go do it. Man, just, yeah, this is, this is our culture. You better have, you better know. You better test drive before you buy it, buy it, essay, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. No, that's not what God says. God says, look, trust me. Trust me. See, here's the thing. In chapter 7, Paul's going to say this. He's going to say, listen, when it comes to the married people, he says, please, don't withhold sex from each other. Our culture has been taught, that's a tool, man. If you don't do what I want, you ain't getting any. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, guys, we've got to come together. You're called out. You're different. Because I created it. I'm a part of it. And if you're going to glorify God with your body, let me just say this to the married folks, okay? The married folks, invite the Lord into the bedroom. Invite the Lord. Lord, this is from you. This is you. We want to glorify you. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. God's in the midst of that. God's in the midst of that. He says to you and I, and such were some of you, but not anymore. Walk in the newness of life. Walk in the newness of life. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. We seek to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.